At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Out with the Magnificent Seven, in with Olaplex, Victoria's Secret, Shift for Payments, and Data Dog? <laughs> I've been waiting for this front seat, back seat moment where investors decide it's time to take the leap and get a little more speculative, go down the stock food chain, and broaden the action. That's what's happened during this glorious, buoyant month of November. And front seat, back seat went into overdrive today when the Magnificent Seven got whacked while the no-names came to the fore. Now, investors made peace with big caps, Dow roaring 520 points. S&P gained 0.38%, even as the tech-heavy Nasdaq dipped 0.23%. But more important, they continued their month-long love affair with the small fry, where the real big percentage gains lie. As much as I like the Magnificent no, love the Magnificent Seven, we own all of them except for Tesla for the Chapel Trust. They ran so much that even we had to trim some of our positions simply to keep them from growing too big. Something we explained to members of the investing club because we parted with such sweet sorrow. How about the other side of the trade, though? People are taking profits in these fabulous winners and rolling them into all sorts of other stocks that are smaller, low profile, many of which you've never heard of. And that's why, at the end of the month, where interest rates plummeted, I want to look at the top 10 winners of a very unlikely index for me to cover the Russell 1000 for the month of November. A top 10 that posted the kind of massive gains you can no longer get from the trillion dollar club. Law of large numbers. The Russell November winners tell the tale very well. The best performer in the Russell 1000 this month, it's a firm holdings. Yes, the buy now, pay later outfit run by Max Levchin with a 95% move higher. Hey, look, when interest rates were going higher, the whole world bet against these guys. In fact, nearly 22% of the float is still being sold short. Kind of nuts given a firm's minuscule school default levels. The stock got killed back when the Fed started tightening, but now that long rates are coming down, it's rebounding just as quickly. Number two is Roku. Yes, the streaming platform that lets you watch all your favorite services on your TV. Roku's getting a reputation for being a great place to advertise. Sure enough, the stock's nearly doubled off its late October lows because management told such a good story on that terrific conference call. That said, this company still loses a huge amount of money, a characteristic, by the way, that gets overlooked in this kind of halcyon environment but doesn't always stay that way. Third, the other day I was asked, what did Sam Bankman-Fried tri- <coughs> trial do to Bitcoin? 
I said, set it on fire, as people seem to think that the bad actors are leaving the table. Throw in the fact that we're reportedly close to seeing a spot Bitcoin ETF approved, and we've seen a spectacular move in Coinbase, the digital crypto exchange, even as the SEC likes to hector them. Hey, you know what? Feeling seems mutual. Like a firm, this stock also benefited from a short squeeze, but it's much harder to bet against these things in a falling interest rate environment. <coughs> and you'll have to excuse me for a moment while I take a drink of water, because unlike all the other people on TV, no one else ever coughs or sneezes or does any of that stuff. That we humans do. Now, when rates go down, people want some low risk that also does well when small and medium-sized businesses thrive. A collateral positive from a better bond market, no less. And that's why it's no surprise to see Block, the old square, rallying hard this month. Now, I thought this fintech company's last quarter was terrific. So the move makes a ton of sense. Block had been overly punished for its riskier business model with more direct lending than, say, uh, PayPal. But when the market goes all frontsy-backsy, you get a powerful 58% move. Yet many stocks have dwelled in the valley of the shadow of death for a couple of years now. So as rates peak, when something good happens, their stocks explode higher. The gap, the gap, it posted a 1% increase in same-store sales at Old Navy. And that was enough to send the stock into the stratosphere. Didn't hurt the gap got a whole new CEO who did a very good job of framing the story on a conference call, even as he can't really take credit for it, right? I mean, the numbers just started turning in late August. Number six. Oh, you'll love this one. You'll just love this one. It's a company called Olaplex, okay? Now, this one fits the front seat, back seat thesis to a T. Remember this name, Olaplex. This makes specialty shampoos that are beloved by colorists to the stars. This is the kind of low-dollar stock that attracts people who like the shampoos and want to buy a piece of what they like. It's profitable. And by the way, in my shower, it's, it's the most important thing. My wife loves it. Uses it by the boatload. She told me to tell you that she liked the purple-colored one. Let me say this, though. Tonight, Becky Quick has a special at 8 p.m. on the late Charlie Munger. He was that brilliant partner of Warren Buffett. Munger famously got Buffett to focus on high-quality companies at a fair price. Munger? He would never bought a share of Olaplex. All right, this bunch shows that you don't even really need good numbers for your stock to go higher. You just need some relief that the bad numbers are finally in the rear view. I mean, give me an example. PVH, parent of Calvin Klein and Tommy, which uh, they, they offered, they, they gave a terrible number to you. It's stock value 7%. And that kind of cockeyed optimism also explains the incredible run in the seventh best performer, Victoria's Secret. Company reported a loss, terrible guidance. But after an initial head fake lower, its stock sprung higher. Under what can only be described as the last bad quarter syndrome, sometimes you just, you, you just cheer that a company isn't disappearing. And for the real optimists out there, they buy. And that's Victoria's secret secret. That, and of course, that it had a 15% short, we look at that, 15% short position. Now, there are so many companies that take care of payments. And when interest rates were going higher, the market hated every one of them. But when rates go lower, we're suddenly enamored of the fastest growers of what feels like a totally homogenized group of stocks, even as one company has shown a great flair, and that is shift for payments. Yeah, shift for payments, up nearly 48% for November. How do you like that? Shift for payments. All right, now, and now out of nowhere, I, I don't care, out of nowhere, nowhere come two companies that are actually really great companies. First one is Datadog, okay? Here's a company that should have been acquired a long time ago by an old-fashioned tech gal who would have been able to spruce up their numbers. Datadog does very helpful application monitoring and analytics. Cloud transparency is a huge thing. Sure enough, the quarter was immaculate. I, I, look, you know what? I actually tell you to buy the stock right here up 42%, but 
it did hit his 52-week high today, so that makes me a little antsy. And then the other one, you know I like these guys, Expedia. Up almost 43% for the month of November. This is a case where the expectations were extremely low. The company reported good numbers, and then the stock just boom, vaulted higher, up 19% in a single session, by the way, because it never should have been down so much in the darn first place. Now, uh, when Booking's competitor, Booking Holdings, had been doing well, people gave up on these guys. What a mistake. And by the way, the travel boom, it's still on. You see Royal Caribbean? You see where that stock was today? It's insane. Now, look, I'm not a believer in endorsing future winners based on November's performance. But the bottom line, if you think we're going to have a soft landing, if you believe inflation is coming down, if you believe that interest rates have peaked, then you need to be a little more optimistic about life and stocks, or at least stocks. The Russell 1000 is a list with a growth stock bias that can produce some real winners. And the ones I just highlighted have separated themselves from, I don't know, how about the other 990 stocks in that esteemed coiled spring of an index? To mix metaphors of racing and trains. Charles in Arizona. Charles! Booyah, Eagle Boy Jim. How are you doing today? <laughs> Go birds, Chief. What's happening? Yeah, hey, I want to, uh, first of all, I want to put a hats off to Charlie Munger, man. What a great, lo- or a sorry loss that is for the... Uh, and I can't wait to, hear, to see Becky's special. You know, Becky uh, knows new Charlie and new Warren like no other journalist. It's going to be fantastic. What's going on? Okay, yeah, Jim, I, uh, we appreciate your insight for us stay-at-home traders. Um, in 2019, on the options action, I took Tony Zhang's trade on Morgan Stanley. I got in at 53.60. It's hit 106 at high, but now it seems it can't hold 80. Is the 4.5% dividend enough to keep me in it, Jim? Oh, my friend, big guy, listen to me. This thing is just killing me. My Chapel Trust owns it. We sold some higher. We tried to buy some lower. We bought some down here. Yields four and a quarter, and it is just killing me. And I can't believe that it's down this low. This is a high-quality company where if you believe that rates are going down and that activity is going to pick up, you have to buy the stock. You have to right here. Jerry in Missouri. Jerry. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. A few weeks ago, there were two situations of good conference calls, yet the stock went down anyway. So I purchased entirely new positions of Palo Alto and Wynn. Palo Alto is now up almost 20%, and thinking of you, I sold a little and bought a new toy. My question is this. Wynn is not doing so great. No. Do you think geopolitics are taking too much of a toll? 100%. Wynn is down because they've got two casinos in Macau. One of them caters to the high end, and unfortunately, that is no longer the end that is working, and that is killing the stock, and they've got to figure out how to recommission that one, how to reconfigure it, because if they don't, the stock is not going to get above the 90 level. Because And if they do, i got to tell you, maybe it'll also be helped by the Super Bowl being there. In February, but only, of course, if the Eagles are in it. Luke in Arizona. Luke. Mr. Kramer, how are you, sir? Pretty good, Luke. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. I'll do a little better if uh, oil can uh, do what it's supposed to do. Really? All yeah, right. I'm trying to figure out this Devon Energy and it's driving me nuts. All right. Devon Energy could drive anybody nuts, frankly. I mean, it's just been the worst performer in the group, and it's really a 6.8% yield. You know what? I'm going to make the exception and say at this point, at this price, Devon is too low, and I hope I don't regret saying that one. Now, if you think we're going to have a soft landing, then it's time to take a look at the top names in the Russell 1000. 
because it's filled with growth stocks that could turn out to be big winners. Oh man, buddy, tonight, Lyft, LYFT, is trying to take market share in the ride-hailing space amid a host of alternatives. How are things working out for this $11 stock? I'm sitting down with the CEO. Then, if you think that rates really have peaked as I do, what sectors should do best? I'm thinking in with the REITs and sharing which one I think will prevail in the new normal. And have your ears deceived you, or is there really actually a former SPAC that I'm interested in? I'm taking with a company up over 200% this year. Do not miss my exclusive with Vertiv. Then stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX. Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. In this new environment with interest rates finally sinking, what do you do with a stock like Lyft? Earlier this year, the ride-sharing company looked to be in bad shape. It was losing market share to Uber, struggling to pivot to profitability. Then in March, in March, they brought an experienced tech executive and CEO, David Risher, and he immediately started cutting costs, only laying off 26% of the workforce. You have to do what you have to do. Earlier this month, Lyft reported a top and bottom line beat with robust guidance. Stock actually tumbled nearly 6% in response, supposedly because their gross bookings and ride growth metrics fell short of Uber's. Wait a second. The sell-off was overdone. Stocks rallied 16% since then. So could this be the beginning of a larger rebound, which you know I think it is? Let's check in with David Richard, CEO of Lyft, who's in here person. Mr. Richard, welcome back to Mid Money. It is so good to be here, Jeff. How All right. are you? Well, I want to tell you something. I, I'm a nervous traveler. Okay. So I've got you. I hate being late. Mm -hmm. I always think I'm going to miss the plane. Okay. I'm scared to death. When I'm waiting for the uh, UB asterisk R yeah. to show up. Yeah. 
Give me some certainty that maybe I'm using the wrong guy. Well, you are using the wrong guy, and here is why I can tell you that. So we announced something called the Guaranteed Airport Pickup. And to your point, everyone is stressed during holidays. And the holidays should be so great. They're a time of getting together with your family. But, man, what time am I getting to the airport? Is the car going to pick me up? So on and so on. So, look, we say we guarantee we're going to pick you up. If we are more than 10 minutes late, we will pay you up to $100 in Lyft cash. That's enough for you to take one of those Ubers. It's a huge mistake for you to take, but there you go. No, okay, so these kinds of things are, no, we're no stranger with you. You have, you're an inventive person. Mm. Your background is about invention and creativity. Every one of the things, look, women and connect. We can yep. just look at these things. You are just, it's a cauldron up there. <laughs> and not one of those crazy ones that we saw from some other guy who has a car coming. Well, tell me how you come up with these ideas and tell me if you think they're working. Because I know you're also a very tough benchmarker of yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I do think they're working and I'll give you two uh, reasons for that. So number one, if you look at when I started, we were up 10% year on year in ride growth. Second quarter I was there, we were up 17%. Now we're up over 20%. That's accelerating growth in a market where that is not always the case, number one. Number two, we're able to bring out new innovations. You mentioned Women Plus Connect. So this is a way for women riders and drivers to choose to ride with each other. And it's a game changer. If you've seen some of the social media on it, people love it. And it's understandable why. It feels safe, it feels comfortable, it feels like I've got a comrade in, in the car. And then number three, let's talk about airports one more time. We've given about two and a half million rides just in the last couple of weeks, just to airports, two and a half million rides. Guess how many, and I'll ask you the question, out of those two and a half million rides, guess how many we were so late that we actually had to pay for your, your Uber? How many, pick a number. All right, I'll say, I'll say 10%. 10%, so that'd be 250,000 rides. The actual number, 72 rides. 72, 72, per, rides. 72 actual, no, not- 72 rides. 72, 72 rides. rides. Yeah, yeah, 0.01%. So this is a decent a bet by you. This is a decent bet. So the question of, or the answer to how do we come up with our ideas, we obsess over our riders, we obsess over our drivers, and we over-deliver. Well, I think this is really an important point to point out that the way people have been incorrectly valuing your stock is, I don't mean to pick on anyone, but Jeffries has the, the standard. Uh, recap, accelerating but still losing ground. And, of course, that's a comparison to Uber. I, don't, I think all comparisons are fatuous. You're comparing yourself, and that's what matters. Yeah. And I, how would you grade yourself? Yeah. So I compare myself to what our customers want. Okay. That's what I do. And our thesis, to be clear, is customer obsession drives uh, enterprise of value. Customer obsession drives enterprise value. Okay. The more we obsess over our customers, the bigger, more successful we're going to get. So I grade myself well. Why? Because I see Women Plus Connect. I see airport pickup. I see accelerating growth. I see drivers. We have 40%, 45% more driver hours now than we had a year ago. I was just going to point out, the 45, I was going to point that out because yeah. these are the kind of metrics people should be looking at. Yeah. You needed to reestablish this. And the way to reestablish it is more and more drivers. Not necessarily, I mean, I could ask you for adjusted EBITDA. It really isn't yet the right time. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It will be, to be clear. We're Absolutely. building a healthy, Absolutely. growing business. But the most important thing now is look at the inputs. I'll tell you one other thing that nobody else knows. And this is something that most companies don't talk about. When I joined, if you look at how our employees are experiencing our company, okay, we run surveys, like most companies do, about every quarter, and our employee confidence level was low. It was low, a historic low I level, know. and you can kind of understand why. It then grew, and then we just released another, or we just saw the results just yesterday of our most recent one. It is the highest it has been in four years, employee confidence intervals, or index. What that tells you is that the thousands and thousands, 3,000 plus team members who work for Lyft are starting to believe. They believe in our purpose, they believe in our execution. That's a leading indicator. That 
you know, how well we're doing for our customers, our riders, our drivers. That's what people should be looking at. Not EBITDA, that's down the road. Well, there's also a flywheel effect. I know an overdone term, but I look at the advertisers you have for Lyft Media. Yeah. I first thought maybe these would be, uh, you know, kind of bargain basement guys, guys, cha- ambulance chasers. Mm. Apple, not an ambulance chaser. Apple's not an ambulance chaser. Not only that, they've re-upped and re-upped again. They're very consistent. And to be clear, what's happening here is they're recognizing you've got a person who's sitting in a car. The average number of times a person checks their Lyft app in the car is 10 different times. They look, am I there yet? And so instead of checking your app over and over again, you're getting to play a game on Apple. You're getting a free, you know, uh, Apple uh, TV uh, Plus uh, subscription. It's really interesting to see, actually, even our riders are liking it. And by the way, you know who else benefits? No. Drivers. Drivers. When we do advertising and you're taking a ride, drivers actually get paid more, too. So when I meet my partner, David Faber, tomorrow, and he says, is that Lyft still around? Perhaps Mm. I should remind him that you are alive and doing better than this company has for many, many years. For sure. And I I also, I can't help but mention, you have probably taught more people, people that know this, uh, to be literate, to mm-hmm. read, than anyone on earth, okay? And you don't talk about it. There are other people who brag about their charity. This Is this actually an easier task, what you're doing, than teaching the millions of people to read as you did in Africa? I really, I appreciate you bringing that up. You know, I don't know that it, which is easier. They both have their challenges, but they're both super interesting and energizing. I think people who lead with purpose, and I put myself in that yeah. category, have the best jobs in the world. And I think it's what brings companies along and it allows us to to, to sort of be bigger than ourselves. So well, anyway, I'm having a great time. I know this is, I don't want to conflate charity and making money, but I think that people should want to join you as you lead Lyft much higher. Appreciate Thank you that. so much to David Bridger, the CEO of LYFT. You're good, man. <laughs> I'm going to take you up on so your pledge. You. Look out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Coming up, if rates have peaked, where does real estate go from here? Part three of Kramer's series answers the big question of what if next. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All week, I've been highlighting the formerly beaten down industries that suddenly work in a world where interest rates peaked a month ago. Because I think this is the new normal. Rates have just plummeted in the last month, and it has changed everything for the better. When rates were soaring, there was no reason to own dividend stocks because you get a better return from risk-free treasuries. <laughs> I mean, wasn't that the way to go? Now the long rates are falling, though. Dividend stocks are enticing it. it that's why I recommended some of the higher-quality utilities and pipeline plays earlier this week. Tonight, we're circling back to the Real Estate Investment Trust, another group of yield plays 
that have had a very tough year, thanks to stiffer competition from the bond market, and worries about a very particular corner of the industry, and that is office real estate. Those fears dragged down the whole group to the point where the average REIT in the S&P 500 now has a 4.3% yield. Juicy. So which of these work right now? I want to start with Crown Castle. That's the REIT that owns cell phone towers, a truly terrible group this year, in part because they're dividend stocks, but also because the wireless carriers were looking to cut costs. Crown Castle's in the news this week because Elliott Management, arguably the smartest activist hedge fund on earth, has started to agitate for change here, on top of a couple other activist firms. Now, Elliott actually tried to do something with Crown Castle in 2020, but they were effectively rebuffed by the board. Since then, the stock's been a major underperformer. Sell, 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 sell. So they figured now they got a little more leverage this time around. I agree. Elliott wants new executives and new board, a strategic review of Crown Castle's fiber business, which they've long hated. And a new focus on boosting the company's return on invested capital. Now, the stock has soared since Elliott announced its new campaign, but it's still down more than 13% for the year. And it sports a beautiful 5.3% yield. I like the dividend, and I think the stock could still have plenty of upside if Crown Castle would simply listen to some of Elliott's suggestions. Can I just say that they are nuts if they don't? Next are Simon Property Group, which owns high-class malls. I recommended this one less than a month ago because the stock felt too cheap for me. Everybody claims malls are dead. But in reality, some are dead, but not high-class malls. High-class malls are holding up a lot better than lower-class ones. And Simon is about as classy as it gets. 95% occupancy rate, lots of leasing momentum in the latest quarter. Plus, they made some brilliant moves during the pandemic, buying up failing retailers to keep their tenants afloat. And now the company's selling its stake in those stores for a nice profit. Hey, you know what? It didn't hurt that Simon's malls benefited from having stores stay open. Shuttered anchor tenants means lower adjacent rates. Simon's rallied 11% since I recommended to be in the month, but it's still got a beautiful 6.1% yield at these levels. I think it's got a lot more room to run. How about another downtrodden retail read? I like Federal Realty. Now, close observers of the show know this. It has mixed-use properties in high-income suburbs. The vast bulk of it is retail. These guys reported a great quarter four weeks ago with very encouraging guidance, came on the show, talked a really good story. I keep coming back to Federal Realty because of the company's consistency. This company has increased their dividend for 56 straight years, the longest streak in the industry. Even after the stock's bounce from its late October lows, it's still down more than 5% for the year, and it pays you a juicy 4.6% yield, which is now higher than you could get from the 10-year Treasury. That's one of the reasons why I keep focusing on these stocks. What can I say? I'm a big believer in federal realty under the leadership of the straight-shooting CEO, Don Wood. I think you're getting a great entry point right here. Don, as we say, is money. Now, let me give you some unusual ones. Just throw them in. There's longtime Kramer Faye Prologis, the real estate investment trust that owns warehouse and logistics properties, basically e-commerce real estate. Prologis has been a fabulous long-term performer thanks to the rise of online shopping. But the stock's been held back over the past couple of years because there's a widespread sense that everybody built too many logistics facilities during the pandemic. Now, I think we're finally getting over that. And at the end of the day, nothing can stop the rise of e-commerce. That's especially true with so many drugstores making it borderline impossible to buy anything good in order to prevent rampant theft. So much easier to just order your shampoo online. That lock and key thing is the best advertisement going for e-commerce. Prologis also made a large acquisition last year to the $26 billion purchase of Duke Realty. Wall Street didn't really approve of it. Even as the deal widened, they're leaving the logistics space. And of course, the rise in interest rates dragged this one down along with the other REITs. I think the fundamental story remains unchanged here. 
E-commerce will keep growing, and that means more companies will need to rent property from Prologis. Meanwhile, the company just keeps putting up excellent numbers the whole time. Stock has stood still, but the funds from operations, which is the read equivalent of earnings, have grown substantially. These guys also have just a terrific 97.1% occupancy rate, amazing pricing power. Their same store net operating income is up 9.5% in the, in just in the latest quarter. Plus, while Prologis has always been a bit more of a growth play than a yield play, that 3% yield is nothing to sneeze at, especially if interest rates keep coming down. Finally, I think the worries about office real estate, they've gotten too excessive. And that's why I like Boston Properties, which owns a portfolio of office buildings in Boston, Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, Seattle, and Washington, D.C. Just like shopping malls, there's a difference between high-quality office space and commodity office space. Boston Properties has one of the best portfolios out there in terms of owning premier buildings. I first pitched this contrarian call in stock in early September, telling you it'd be a winner whenever interest rates peak. I told you I had to put on a small position and buy more on the way down. Sure enough, Boston Properties has pulled back from 66 down to just under 57. But down here, it's got a 6.9% yield. That's incredibly enticing now that we no longer believe interest rates are zooming to 6%. I am sticking with this one. Boston Properties has gotten cheaper as it comes down. Office real estate may not be great, but high-end is in much better shape, and Boston Properties is paying it away until Wall Street figures that out. One day it will. Bottom line, if, like me, you believe interest rates peaked a month ago, then you've got to revisit all the high yielders that didn't work when the bond market was offering more competitive returns. Now that bond yields have pulled back substantially from their highs, everything from the utilities to the pipeline plays to the REIT suddenly feels a lot more investable. Hey, stick around tomorrow when I give you five more potential winners. Let's take calls. Let's go to Samuel in New York. Samuel. Hey, Jim, long-time listener. Booyah! Booyah, Samuel. New York. Thank you. What's going on? What do you think, what do you think about Baba? Bought 3,000 shares at 77 apiece. Hold or get out and take my losses. Uh, I'm not a fan of Baba. I think that they're very challenged right now. Uh, I'm going to have to say, you know, right now everyone likes to pin to a duo. I'm, I'm not going to recommend something that is just going down a lot and think that it's cheap. I am very worried about structurally about Baba, so I have to say no. I, I can't go with it. Let's stick with the Sams. Let's go to Sam in Colorado. Sam. Jim, how are you doing? I am doing fine, Sam. How about you? I am good. You know, Jim, one thing that I think is a lot of people haven't paying as much attention to as I think they should is the electric grid. And as the whole country begins to shift towards renewable energy and electrification of transportation, we're going to need more grid and, and better infrastructure solutions. So one of the companies that I've been looking at that appears to be a beneficiary of the recent IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, would be Quanta Services, ticker PWR. I have long liked Quanta. You do not have to do any arm twisting for me. I think PWR is one of the best companies. I actually discovered this company many, many years ago and have always felt it is a good one. We had a little break in the action there. It went down, but started to come back. I say bye, bye, bye. Quanta. Good call, my friend. Now, look, if you believe like I do that interest rates have peaked, then it's time to revisit high yielders like the REITs, which suddenly feel a lot more investable. But for mad money, including my schools with Vernon, after being impacted by supply chain woes, that company's back and it's better than ever. But after a strong showing this quarter, and this year, can it continue? I got the CEO. And what's holding back the healthcare sector from jumping into bull mode? I'm sharing the reasons. And of course, all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer.
if even an all-oriented SPAC play like Rover, the online dog walking service, can get a big takeover bid from Blackstone, hey, how about the handful of post-SPAC outfits that are actually good? Take Furtiv Holdings, a relatively unknown supplier of power and cooling products for the data center. This one stood out from the moment it came public via SPAC merger in 2020. Furtiv was a real company, with real sales and real profits in a legitimate end market. Best of all, as part of the deal, they brought in Dave Cody, the longtime CEO of Honeywell as their new chairman, and of course, my neighbor at that point. Initially, the stock had a difficult run. SPACs went out of style, supply chain woes hurt the business. But ever since the summer of last year, Furtiv's come roaring back, rallying from the high single digits to 43 and change. Business is booming. We're seeing a new wave of data center investment as companies scramble to optimize their server warehouses for the AI era. These AI machines, they burn hot. So you need specialized power equipment and cooling systems from the likes of Vertiv, which is the expert in this. And that's why they keep raising their four-year forecast, including yesterday, when Vertiv held its first ever analyst day right here in the New York Stock Exchange. It's why the stock has more than tripled year-to-day. Can it keep running? Let's take a closer look with Gio Albertazzi. He's the CEO of Vertiv Holdings. Gio, welcome to Man Money. Well, thanks a lot, Jim. Thanks for having me here. Oh, well, why don't you give us, since it's your first time, some of the highlights from uh, from the analyst meeting, because I think you had a lot of new stuff to reveal. Yeah, I had a lot of stuff uh, for the for the investor meeting. We were, as you were mentioning, um, taking our um, year uh, guidance up. That was uh, that was good news. And then we also shared uh, our plans for the rest of, uh, let's say, the planning period. So we are certainly looking at a strong uh, outlook from a market standpoint, and, uh, and we expect to grow nicely in that, uh, in that market environment. We're thinking about something in the 9 to 11% range going, going out in the next uh, few years. Well, that would be terrific. Now, I happen to be uh, a big fan of Jensen Wong from NVIDIA, and uh, he always taught me that the thing you need to worry about is you can't have machines burn too hot. It's about heat. It's about saving the planet and heat, and then good power. It looks like that Vertiv is a good partner of Jensen, because I watched a video today of Jensen singing your praises. We work very well with, uh, with, uh, with them. We, we worked very well with, uh, with NVIDIA and certainly with, uh, with Jensen, the visionary leader, and, uh, and, uh, and, and the company as a whole is, uh, is phenomenal. And we are partnering exactly to solve the problems that future generation of uh, chips and the current generation of chips are creating. But the problems that also they are uh, solving as the heat and the power is concentrated in the chip, the chip becomes more efficient in and of itself from a compute power standpoint. But more power needs to be fed to the chip and more heat needs to be extracted. And that's where we come uh, into the equation. All right, so let's say I went to a data center and it had no cooling equipment by Vertiv. What would happen? <laughs> uh, let, let's say, uh, statistically, it's likely that when you enter a data center, there will be a lot of cooling and power equipment uh, of, uh, of Vertiv. But in the odd case, that's not, uh, that's not happening. You know, it is always possible for us to go and do a retrofit, really, to bring the power and the uh, cooling to the next level, to the AI required level of uh, power and, and uh, heat uh, operations. All right, so Gio, what happened? There was a period where your stock went down a great deal, and that was in part because you really had supply chain problems. I, you were, I must have been importing things. 
uh, and some of the materials maybe were too sensitive to heat or your something went wrong here and it seems to have gone away. Can you give me the fall and rise of Vertiv? Um, look, we are a global leader in uh, uh, critical digital infrastructure. Uh, what happened in the last two years was uh, a lot to do with a contingent market situation in terms of a supply chain, a very difficult supply chain environment. In that very difficult supply chain environment, you know, a continuity of uh, of uh, supply and delivery was a challenge for Vertiv as for many other players in the industry. And, you know, we started to work very, very focused on price and rebalancing the price um, cost equation. And it took time uh, to, to make that happen. And that started to bear fruits in the second half of 2022, back end of 2022, and 2023, we accelerated. As the supply chain stabilized, as we became more resilient in the way we design and, and architect our supply chain, the acceleration happened. And also the market started to accelerate with more and more uh, focus on AI, and uh, that's all good stuff for us. That is tailwind for us. All right, Jim, one last question. Uh, Dave Cody is an exacting man. He is a terrific man, but he does not suffer fools gladly. His book is excellent. He's a resource for many CEOs. How do you uh, cooperate, get along, and learn from your chairman, Dave Cody? Well, uh, I get along very, very well. Uh, First of all, Dave is a phenomenal uh, chairman for Vertiv and for Vertiv uh, shareholders. Uh, you know, he needs no introduction. He is a great mentor, and not just a mentor, he's a very active uh, chairman, but also someone who always keeps me, you know, aware of what could be behind the corners, the things that I may have overlooked or not, but he reminds that. So he's an enormously important resource for me, and I. I am learning every day, every hour from, uh, well, from Dave. And I know he likes to win, too, which will put some pressure on periodically, but that's sometimes what a CEO needs. Gio Albertazzi is the CEO of Vertiv, a stock, VRT, by the way, a stock we've liked very much. Gio, great to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me. Of course. Mad Money's back at the break. Coming up, pop open those umbrellas and tee up your toughest questions. Kramer takes on all comers in the lightning round. Next. It's time. It's time for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dang. Time for the lightning round. Kramer's going to start with Mark in Colorado. Mark. Hey, Mr. Kramer. How are you today? I'm doing fine, Mark. How about you? Great. Happy holidays. Um, Same. I've got a question real quick. Um, given the need for the incredible usage of storage, mm-hmm. what is your opinion on IRM, Iron Mountain? Oh, my writing partner, Matt Horwin, and I often talk about how great this stock is. Even with a 4% yield, I still recommend that stock. And I've been behind that one for ages. Don in Texas. Don. Kramer, booyah. Happy holidays to you and your family. Oh, thank you. Same to you, sir. What's up? I was just calling to ask you about Q, uh, Q2 holding. Virtual banking. I like the idea. The stock has moved too much, too high for me. How about we go to Dave in Virginia? Dave. 
United States Navy Booyah, Peter Jimbo. Oh, thank uh, you for serving, Booyah. Club member. Yes. Definitely uh, would love to know about the Bye 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 or Sell, Sell, Sell on AMC. Well, you know, listen, Bob Iger, talk about the movies, and it's just not the same, and I don't want to be there for involved with the movie theaters. Hey, Bob's got some serious challenge here from uh, Nelson Peltz. It's going to be interesting, but all I'll tell you is that Disney got a big dividend today, and that stock is my one of my absolute favorites in the Chapel Trust. Let's go to Alan in Florida. Alan! Booyah to you, Jimmy Cho. Booyah. The Chill Man is in the house. How can I help? Hey, man, most importantly, big thanks for the Investor Club because it creates a level playing field for us little guys. That is the plan. People have to know it's about education. It's about teaching. I knock my brains out every day to teach you, and thank you for the kind recognition. How can I help you? No, thank you. Hey, listen, today, Bill Gates' nuclear energy company, TerraPower, they announced an MOU with your little spec play you gave out, UEC, whose management company says they're all in cost to produce domestic uranium, just $40 a pound. They already have the infrastructure built. They start production next summer. TerraPower has officially stated their preference is for domestic uranium, and UEC has by far the biggest... Well, that's why I like UEC. I blessed that one for... I put, I'm putting together a list of under 10 speculations. I may have to keep it to myself right now, but I think the UEC is a winner because I also believe, as I said the other day when I said by Southern, that great utility, nuclear is for me. Let's go to Noel in Florida. Noel. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, thank you, Noel. Let's go to work. Okay, my husband and I would really like your thoughts on Joby Aviation. No, too exp- this is. I still insist that there be some hope that a company make money. I don't see one for the job. Let's go to Ryan in Virginia. Ryan. Booha, Jim. It's Ryan McKay from Falls Church, Virginia. I'm sitting here Excellent. with my 10-year-old son who loves watching your show. I love that. My question is about ticker symbol PFE Pfizer. I'm calling the bottom in Pfizer right now. I am calling the bottom. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm actually saying right now that a 5% yield with Pfizer and Dr. Dr. Borla, I cannot believe that this stock can go much lower. So I am saying, I'm not, no, I am saying, don't buy, don't buy. But I am calling the bottom. Let's go to Allen in New Jersey. Allen. Yes, Jim. Booyah, Jim. How are you? Happy holidays. Thank you, Saint. Hey, I want to ask you, your opinion on American Airlines and growth potential over the next three years or so is very low right now. It's trading about 11. Well, stock is so low. Um, I do prefer Delta. I have to admit I'm a Delta fan over, over American. But that stock is low. Whoa. Let's go to William in Washington. William. Hey, how you doing, Mr. Dan Kramer? I'm doing well. How about you? All right, so I just wanted to check on uh, Neo. Do you think I should hold it long term? No, I'm not. A, you know, I'm not recommending Chinese stock market. I, I mean, there's always one that works and it gets everybody all excited. It's the PDD. It's the flavor of the month over there with the PRC. And I'm not a buyer. I'm not a buyer of these. You know, the Neos. I'm not a buyer of the Babas. I mean, I gotta, I gotta like be able to walk up and down the street. You know, I mean, it's something I'm still liking to do. I still like my Christmas tree outside. It's a lot of fun. I'll be there. Let's go to Stephen and Marilyn. Stephen. Booyah, Jimmy Till. How you doing tonight? Oh man, I'm doing well. What's up with you? I'm good. I'm good. I got. A, I'm 26 years old. I've been listening to your show since high school. So I just want to say thank you for everything you've done for me as See, a young investor. Young fella, terrific. I'm there for you. What's up? I got a question about a company that I personally love. I see a lot of growth potential. 
They got an insider trading deadline coming up. What do you think about Kava? Yeah, you got when that when the lock the lock expiration is over. I think the stock goes lower. I share with you the excitement for Kava. I think it's a very good situation. I want to see what the sellers do to it. Uh, by the way, personally, because of the garlic, I have to have it with Pepto. It's always it's much to my chagrin. But I don't mind drinking Pepto. I usually have a bottle of it next to me at all times. Let's go to Tom in Florida. Tom. Jim, longtime club member, first-time caller. Yes. My questions regarding a small-cap renewable energy company, NextEra Energy Partners, symbol NEP. Trading yeah, that range one, That one worries me. That one worries me, Tom. I mean, when I see a yield that's 14%, I say something is going to break there. Let's hold off on that one. And that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. Markets are defined by breath, bad breath. Like, well, uh, halitosis is a total downer. You think you're okay, but it really isn't you. It's everyone else who knows the problem. If you own the Magnificent Seven, everything's even perfect. But that's not the way things work in real life. A market dominated by those stocks and those stocks only is one with terrible breath. The problem with trying to kick Wall Street halitosis is that a whole new group of sectors needs to start winning. And while today felt great for the best of the rest, I'm not sure it can stay that way. The other day, I talked about the need for the financials to perform better, big part of the market, because it just can't be tech, and tech alone that takes us higher. I figured that with interest rates coming down, maybe we could pick up the financials the same way I'm telling you to buy, buy utilities. Instead of the financials, though, it's fintech that caught fire today. That won't cut it. Let's call it a work in progress. At the same time, I said that we could really use some strength in the downtrodden healthcare sector, which accounts for just 13% of the S&P 500, even though it's 18% of the economy. Hey, you know what? That mismatch is because there's so much going wrong within the group. First, we are talking about a whole sector that's in the crosshairs of the U.S. government because we're headed into an election year. The entire election may actually hinge on the cost of things going too high, even as, as it is going lower, according to all indicators. Unfortunately, if you're going lower from a much higher base than pre-pandemic, well, and lower inflation simply means prices are they're rising more slowly, they're not falling, it won't cut it. And that makes healthcare a natural whipping boy for the government. And it's how President Biden was able to slip a provision that lets Medicare negotiate drug prices into his Inflation Reduction Act. That is a shocking move, people, given how so many of our leaders have tried and failed to do the same thing. They failed because while it saves the government money, it costs the healthcare industry a fortune. And they're a powerful lobbyists. The numbers are stark. Some drug companies are suing to block this provision from being enacted. But assuming the government gets its way, then over 23% of Bristol-Myers revenues will be impacted, 23% J&J, 22% Amgen, just to mention a few. This law has been devastating for the valuations of these large cap pharma stocks. Once you start negotiating with the biggest buyer of drugs in the world, you know you're going to be a loser. Second, the government's truly serious about blocking healthcare mergers, in part because the regulators are overzealous, but also because the healthcare companies can be their own worst enemies. Now, I don't know who advised Cigna and Humana to try to merge in any form, but this is the height of what investors don't want to happen, a direct assault on what the FTC actually cares and knows about. I know the two companies can probably talk a real good game about how a combination would lower prices, but when two major players join forces, it's easy to argue that it's anti-competitive. These, these two companies are serving themselves up to the Linicon FTC platter. We own Humana for the Chapel Trust, and I'm not worried about the antitrust element here. I'm worried that Cigna merger would be a huge distraction, and the FTC would only succeed in blocking the deal anyway, because for once they wouldn't have to bend themselves into pretzels to justify themselves in court. 
believe me, Khan will tie these two up in knots. It's so silly. Not because it would make sense. I, I'd love to see a big bid for you, man, and we own it for the trust, but because it won't happen. Greedy bankers and lawyers read the room for heaven's sake. Then there's a lack of information. Look at AbbVie buying Immunogen today for its ovarian cancer drug. Immunogen's been around for ages, never actually doing anything, anything big. Maybe this time it's different, but it sure seems like this is more about AbbVie losing exclusivity on big drugs than it is about Immunogen's prospects. All the drug companies have to worry about patent clips, but only Eli Lilly with his blockbuster diabetes and weight loss drug, along with its Alzheimer formulation, seems to be doing anything but buying smaller companies with so-called blockbuster products. Homegrown is what we want. Can't seem to get it, though. Finally, the medical device business, long a real grower, was crushed during COVID when people decided to hold off on all sorts of non-urgent surgeries. The strangest thing is that they're still holding off. The numbers never came back. Very hard to figure. Whatever the case, healthcare group seems like a pretty unlikely candidate to help the bullish cause. But at least you now know why. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 